Hey, Costa, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you, Polly? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. So, do you know who Magnus Carlsen is? Magnus Carlsen. I'm going to guess he's someone uh, Swedish. Uh, I think he's Norwegian from memory. Okay. No, I don't uh, know who he is. Okay. Do you know who Bobby Fischer is? Bobby Fischer is uh, a chess player, a very famous child prodigy chess player. Okay. And in fact, so, the, yeah, anyway, yep. Yep. So Magnus Carlsen is the Bobby Fischer of the 21st century. He's been like the top grandmaster in chess worldwide for like 10 years now. Yep. Um, and he's a young guy. Okay. How young? Uh, I think he's about 30 now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so yeah, he's about 30 and he plays fantasy premier league on the side of being the world's greatest chess player. Does he? Yeah. And Are you last telling me month, that should take up chess or? No, 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 no. <laughs> But so so last so about seven million people play fantasy Premier yeah, League. Last month, uh, Carlson was ranked number one. Wow! And so they said to him, "Look, you know, like, what what have you applied from chess to to fantasy sports that you think has got you to number one?" Mm. And he's like, uh, "I don't know. It's 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 mostly luck." But um, I do look for marginal benefits, and I and I do have a great memory. So I think about which players have played against which teams and where they might have an advantage. Um, but mostly, I'm just looking for for tiny little benefits here and there. Um, he does use a lot of programs to to sort of help him figure that out. Mm. But yeah, he got to number one. He's fallen off a, a little bit this month, apparently, but he's he's still ranked very highly, and he has been ranked very highly in seasons past as well. Yeah, right. So it got me thinking about what things I I can do within my fantasy team to basically get those little benefits that might help me through my season. And one of the obvious ones that people talk a lot about is dual position players. Yeah. So I love a DPP. I I will like I will fill my team with them as much as I can. But this year we've been uh, we've been uh, starved of them. Given, bit, yeah, yeah, we have been starved of them. So so I don't know what to do there. How do you feel about dual position players? If I'm going to be perfectly honest, I don't put a lot of um, thought into it. I don't. I don't really care that much. Um, it is useful. Okay. So one of the things I, I want to talk about at some point was in certain positions, particularly half and hooker, where you've only got, say, one reserve, and quite often mm-hmm. that reserve will be like a cheap guy, right? Mm-hmm. And and if, you're, if your lead half gets injured – you might have to play that cheap guy, and that's mm-hmm. that's where I think it's useful when you've got a reserve that can fill that spot without actually having yep. to make a trade for like a one week injury. Um, yep. I got burnt a couple of years ago with Sean Johnson, who loves to pull out an hour before a game with like a quad injury. 
Um, I had to play Lachlan Croker, and I think he scored eight. Mm. Uh, so, so that's where I think, yeah, jewels can be can be quite useful. Mm. How many? So, I find that obviously having dual dual position players can save you trades at times mm-hmm. when you can, yeah, when basically you can make one trade in terms of two. Um, my issue with that isn't necessarily the trade saves, but the opportunity cost that that you might get out of the extra trade that you can make. So, for example, if you don't have a dual position player, um, you may have to make two trades to get uh, to get in the players that you need, one to free up some money and one to make a second trade that you need. Um, but obviously, if you have a DPP, then you can do that in one. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I suppose... Yeah, and that's exactly right. You can do it in one. And you talked a little bit about Brandon Smith last week and how you can also use that DVP as um, sort of a bridge to getting, you know, an absolute gun that you can't quite afford yet. Yep. So that's another good I, – I, I do see that that's another good benefit of the, of the DPP. I think some, exactly. of, some of that can be moderated by just ensuring that you do have decent players in those tight positions where you – you know, you've only got one reserve. So if you do have two good halfbacks and two decent hookers and two decent fullbacks, then I think some of those risks are mitigated a bit rather than having like a gun and a cheapie where you might have to play the cheapie if you don't have a DPP. Absolutely. But I do see it as an issue currently with a lot of teams that are running Coruscant and Blake Braley as their starting hookers. Um, And we may find that neither of those are quite serviceable. Um, so, so yeah, I, I feel like, that, I feel like I'm not that worried about that. I think, I mean, maybe people got burnt with Braley last year, but Braley was always going to be a reserve hooker last year. Braley's the number one guy. He should be getting 60 minutes at least. Same with Corey Sow. I, I, I'm not going to be playing Braley in my 17. I don't think on a week to week basis, but I have no issue with playing him should say Corey Sow get injured for a week. Okay, I think he's fine. I'm, I think he'll get forties, at least. Yeah. Okay. I'm a little bit scared by him, and I'm, and I'm a little bit concerned as to what I'm going to do if he's averaging forty points a week and he's a real slow burn. Um, so Brandon Smith, you mentioned before. I feel like I want to start with Brandon Smith in my second row to have a backup there in case uh, any of the or Appy or um, Braley just aren't doing it or go down injured. Yeah. Did you see the news this afternoon? Yeah, the thing about Melbourne and the Tigers, right? The the player swap. Yeah, the swap. It's, it's the very interesting. Swap. So you know that the Jacob Little did an ACL, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's. Yeah. I think that's why this is on the card. So I've, I've heard talk that Moses Zumbai was going to play hooker for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously they got BJ. So you were thinking like maybe BJ and Momorowski in the centers, and Umbai mm-hmm. at at hooker. So now it's unclear to me whether whether this Harry Grant guy will get the starting gig at hooker, or if, if Umbai will still get the starting gig and, and Grant will come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it is very interesting. It'd be interesting to see if the NRL kind of approve it. 
because um, it's yeah. never really been done before, right? I don't, it actually, like, when I heard the news, I was like, I can't believe that hasn't been done before. Why don't teams do this all the time? It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Apparently, the deal does have NRL approval, but right. we'll see in the next couple of days what happens with it. Now, there's there's a lot of fallout with this potential trade. So the first thing I want to talk about is um, Melbourne and specifically Brandon Smith. So the prob- or, or the worry with Brandon Smith was that um, Harry Grant might show up in the side at times and he would be the backup hooker to Cam Smith and uh, Brandon Smith would continue to play that sort of second lock role um, in the back of the second uh, in the back of the first half and going into the second half like he did last year. But with Grant potentially going to the Tigers, I feel like this opens up uh, a few more minutes for Brandon Smith um, and makes him very, very juicy. Um, obviously, if anything happens to Cam Smith, or even if anything happens to the halves, I, I can I can see Cam Smith moving into the halves if either of the starting halves go down. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, although perhaps maybe less likely now that Harry Grant's gone. But um, yeah, the, this kid's supposed to be a superstar as well. His his stats last year were off the charts. In I think was it the twenties mm. or uh, or but yeah, I think it was the twenties. The twenties, yeah, they were, yeah, they were literally off the charts. I mean, that's not the same yeah. as the NRL, but even so, um, mm-hmm. so he's supposed to be very good. It's it's an interesting kind of thing. I wonder if it was driven by the kid himself who was saying, "I want to play first grade this year. Uh, you got to give me an opportunity somewhere to play first grade." And so the Melbourne have gone, yeah. "Okay, well, we'll loan you out for a year while Smith's got the you know the last year, yeah, um, to get you some first grade experience and then bring you back when we need you." Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense, sense from their perspective. It does, it does. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be watching this very carefully. I think Brandon Smith um, is is a stronger and stronger possibility of being in my team. Um, the only thing that might make me worry is if somebody like Nico Hines shows up on the bench um, for the and sort of takes on the the Puppenhe- the Puppenheisen role. But we'll see. I don't even know who that is. Okay. He's uh, yeah, he's like a fullback half. He's pretty good. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, so let's talk about this from the Tigers' perspective. So Momorowski's gone. That yeah. would that would suggest that maybe Tommy Talau gets a start. Well, only if only if um, uh, Moses Mbai doesn't go back to the centers. Fair enough. Is Mbai going to kick? Do you reckon? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, Momorowski was the, the first-choice kicker and Masters is gone now, so that probably leaves him by. Um, I don't know who else in that team can kick. I still don't think it makes yeah. makes Moses an option. But. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's, yeah, it's a fantastic trade. It reminds me of the sort of ingenuity of a trade that happened in the NFL a couple of years ago between Houston and Cleveland. Um and yeah, just taking advantage of of opportunities to actually make both of your teams better. Yeah, I, I can't imagine, I can't believe that, that it doesn't happen more often. And just in general, yeah. I mean, fans in Australia talk about loyalty a lot and about you know there's no loyalty anymore and, and whatnot. But just you look at and, and maybe that's a it, it's sort of a good thing that we have some semblance of loyalty left in the NRL. But 
you look at what happens in things in, in like the NBA and the NFL, and they are just like they have one bad season. They trade out all their good players and just start rebuilding. You know, like it, the mm-hmm. turnover in, in those teams is incredible. They would never hang on to a high paid player that's if the team isn't kind of going well. They just they just churn through them anyway. So I want to talk to you about fullbacks. Okay. Um, so I, for the first year this year, well, for the first year in a few years, uh, it seems like there are a lot of good fullback options, uh, a lot yeah. more than there have been. There's been a lot of teams yeah. sort of just running Teddy and Turbo, maybe Ponga uh, over the last few years, and now I think there's at least four or five good options, which makes it a bit more interesting back there. I think it's a yep. key position. They tend to score big. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to tie this a little bit into uh, captaincy strategy as well. So I touched on this last okay. week. So so I, I talked about Tommy Turbo a little bit last week, and I just want to go into it a bit more detail about Tommy Turbo. So, so he's priced at 77, right? Mm-hmm. If, so he had two injury-affected games last year. He had yes. a one against Melbourne and a 58 against Souths. Yes. If you take out those two injury-affected games, his average jumps up to 86.4. Okay. As soon as you take out those two injury-affected games, 86 point, those, that 86.4 is now the best in the comp. Yep. Highest averaging player in the comp. Mm-hmm. His, his price is like 7.15 around there, somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. So he's already two points above Tedesco, who had no injury-affected games last year, and Tedesco had his best ever season last year, I think, about 10 points higher than the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, you take out those two injury-affected games. His average at Brookie was 109.5, right? That's obscene. Yeah, so his scores at Brookie... So he had 58 against Souths in in a half a game. So I'm not including mm-hmm. that in this. But then he had a 167 against St. George, 106 mm-hmm. against Parramatta, mm-hmm. 48 against Newcastle, 117 yep. against the Tigers. Yeah. So out of the four non-injury affected games at Brookie, he's turned up three times. Mm. Um, and that doesn't count 152 against New Zealand in Wellington. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. 110. Now, mm-hmm. over the first six games of the 2020 draw, the 2020 season, uh, he plays the Storm at home, the Roosters yes. away, the yes. Warriors at home at Brookie, the yep. Raiders away, Newcastle mm-hmm. at Brookie, and the Gold Coast mm-hmm. at Brookie. So he's got mm-hmm. four out of the first six at Brookie. Yep. One of them is very hard against the Storm. Yes. The other three against the Warriors, Newcastle, and the Gold Coast look juicy. Um, okay, you're speaking my language. Okay. Absolutely. So what I've done is I've said, okay, let's assume that in the, the two away games against the Raiders and the Roosters, who are obviously very good teams, I've given him 55. Yep. And in the Storm game at home, I've given him 55. Okay. In the three games at Brookie, I've given him his 110 average from last season. Okay. That takes you to an average of 82.5. Okay. Uh, so, 
Based on that, he's already about six points undervalued. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. I think that's being reasonably conservative, to be honest. Yep. Now, if you make him captain for those three games where I've given him 110, mm-hmm. what what do you think would be like a reasonable sort of counter score for a captain? As in, if you don't pick him for captain, like what's what, what's your kind of minimum that you're looking uh, for in a captain? Let's let's say like Payne Haas. What do you think Payne Haas is going to give you week to week? Uh, let's let's say eighty five for the sake of this exercise. Yeah, let's say eighty five. Agree. Okay, so that's over those three games. That's twenty five points a game. So one hundred and ten minus eighty five. Am I doing that right? Yeah, twenty five points yeah. a game. So yeah. over those three games, that's an extra seventy five points. Yep. If you add that on, mm-hmm. uh, you're getting an average of ninety five. Right. So what I'm saying is, if you're going to captain him in those three games, the the actual average that you're getting from Tommy Turbo is 95, right? I see, because yes. you're getting the you're getting those captaincy points as well, which is I'm um, you know assuming 85 is the counterfactual. You're getting you can add those points to his score. So while okay. he's not going to go up, so that, that makes him nearly 20 points on the value. I see. So you're not now, going to get that value in terms of cash. He's not going to go up by twenty by twenty points of value in cash terms, but you're going to get it in points terms. That's huge. Okay. Twenty points undervalued is massive. Yeah. Not to mention that, you know, he's just the best player in the game as well. Yes. Now his his drawback is his injury. He's had the hammy injuries mm-hmm. last year, so I think that's the one risk. But apart from that, I don't, you know. I think he's a no-brainer. He's the first pick to my side. Are you concerned with both his brother potentially not starting early in the season, AFB not starting early in the season, and them having a new hooker combination and perhaps less strike power from from hooker? Yeah, a little bit. I'll give you that, a little bit. I don't think Jerbo and AFB are going to be out for a long time. I've heard a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. If you told me that they were going to be out for all those six games, I'd be a little bit concerned. But mm-hmm. I only really care about those three home games. So if, if they play for mm-hmm. those three home games, then, you know, they might be a bit underdone. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fayuno not playing, or Fayuno slash Coriusau not being there anymore is a bit of a worry. It looks like it's going to be Danny Levi. He's not quite in the same echelon, but yeah, I... And, and to be fair, they were sort of rolling over teams with their forwards last year, particularly the two props. And then Turbo was just sort of running up the middle and making numerous line breaks off that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I can't go past him. I think he's the best player in the game. Out of interest, who are your current uh, uh, players in the fullback position? So I've got Turbo and I've got Pappenhausen at the moment, who's the next guy that I want to talk about, um, have... What do you think about Pappenhausen? Can he can he can he live up to the hype from last year? Um, yeah, I, I think he can. Now, well, okay. Before I start talking about him, let me say a couple of things. First of all, I also have the same two players. Um, I think Puppy is. Yeah, I, I think everyone has to have Puppy in their teams. Those players, uh, those super coaches that don't, I just don't get it. 
What I don't understand necessarily is I've seen a lot of Ponga and Pappenhuysen. Yeah. And that that I have a little bit of trouble understanding. I um, I see people say, oh, yeah, they've got a new coach. He's going to coach him better and he's going to get the kicking back. There's going to be a lot of extra points there. That may be the case, but are those coaches expecting that his average is going to overtake that of Turbo or Teddy yeah. or even RTS for that matter? So I did a little exercise where I took out his three five-eighth games and I added in the games. Mm-hmm. Where I gave him 12 points a game for the games he wasn't kicking and I think there was six of them and his yep. average came out at 77, um, okay. which is – I think he's passed at about 66 or 68 or something, so it's about a nine-point upgrade. So there is yep. a bit of something there. But yep. you wouldn't think that that would take him above – Turbo or, or Teddy, based on what we've just talked about. No, it gets him close, yeah. but not quite. It gets him close. I think. Look, I think twelve points is is pretty uh, is pretty good for kicking, especially with the knights. The knights weren't scoring that many points last year from memory, um, and, but again, they might. They might have a great year this year. I th- yeah, yeah, I'm being I don't generous. Know. I'm being generous. Yeah. I think you're being really generous, but 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 yeah, okay. okay so there is yeah. a bit of upside with Ponga, but I I tend to agree. I don't. I mean, okay, let's talk about Pappenhausen for a minute, just so we can compare it. Yep. So I'll give you some yep. stats on Pat. Paps. Yep. Thirty-eight minutes. Literally, he averaged mm-hmm. thirty-eight minutes for his fifty-two points last year, right? Yes. And in his yes. uh, in his six, I'll just go through them. He had six games that he played eighty minutes. He scored mm-hmm. 87, 71, 108, 123, 98, and 85 for an average of yeah. 95. Now, yeah. six is a smallish sample size, and two of those games, surprise, surprise, 108, 123, the two games he turned up, up for, were both mm-hmm. against the Gold Coast. Yep. So he's not going to get a third of his games against the Gold Coast all the time. Having yep. said that, he played the Roosters and still got 71. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he scored. That was his lowest score in those six games. So it looks like he can score well against pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's the other thing that that I saw about. You know, his base is forty. I did not know that. He, that's that's very healthy. His base is forty in it. So he's the kind of guy that just wants his hands on the ball, and it's that is super coach gold, right? And like Absolutely. with his attacking stats, he should. I mean, it's only a question of how much he's underpriced, right? Like, yes. do you think he is – there is one part of me that says maybe he only averages 65. Maybe there's a bit of mm-hmm. regression there and he doesn't get the huge amount of attacking stats that he got last year. Uh, but even that's 13-point upgrade and that's like right on the bottom of where I think he could be. I mean, who yes. knows? He could end up having an 80-plus average like the likes of Teddy and – and Turbo, it would not surprise me. I'm not going to ex- – look, if I buy him, I'd be pretty happy with that sort of 65-ish average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like he's the kind of player who who might string a few good games for you that that if you do want, you can upgrade him to Turbo or Teddy or RTS or someone like that um, anyway. So 
So I uh, yeah, I either either he's going to be a top tier fullback or he's going to I feel like he's going to make you enough money that that you can trade him up quite easily. Yeah, I agree. Um yeah. What do you think about Val Holmes? Uh they say his body shape is back is back to uh to sort of a rugby league body shape, but I, I don't know. I'm I I wasn't a believer a couple of years ago when he had that amazing run of, of try scoring uh, in the in the back end of the season. I'm pretty sure I told um, you at that point to buy him and you ignored me. Yeah, but I always ignore yeah, you. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. So I want to talk specifically about the North Queensland Cowboys and my absolute obsession with that team. So thank you for bringing up Val Holmes. <laughs> so just just on Val Holmes, yeah. I mean, he did have that run that we just talked about where he, in the back end of the season he was playing fullback. He averaged like 100. He went on an insane run. Yes. Um, so I think that's what people are looking at when they buy him, That when maybe he can get back to that kind of form or something like it. But I tend to – like there's just too many question marks for me in, in a brand-new team – uh, he's only ever managed that kind of form once. He scored a zillion tries. He was goal like about the last five or six of those games. He was goal kicking in a good team. We saw what happened with Jared Hayne. I, I definitely think there's upside there, but there's a bit of a question mark for me of whether or not he's going to be able to produce that kind of form straight away. Yeah, I, I agree. He might not be able to produce it straight away, but I think he's in an environment where he's set up to succeed. You love the Cowboys. They were awful last year. Okay. So, in a sec, let me tell you what I love about the Cowboys. Tell me. Please tell me. Okay. I can hear that tone North in your voice. I'm excited. I'm excited too. <laughs> North, North Queensland were not a great team last year. They finished near the bottom of the table. Um. They have, in the off-season, I believe, uh, improved their team more than basically any other team in the NRL. They've uh, So they they picked up, obviously, Drinkwater halfway through last year. But in the off-season, they've got Val Holmes, which is, who is a top-tier fullback. And they picked up Reese Robson as well from St. George, who was a junior kangaroo, um, uh, junior... Uh, old New South Wales under twenties player. Um, that guy can play hooker. He's uh, he's an upgrade over Granville, and I won't be surprised if he starts. So can I bitch about Jake Granville for like thirty seconds? Oh, go go. <laughs> A few years ago, like that guy has one skill, right? He was really lightning fast out of out of Jamie Hart, and he would just run the ball. He was like a Damien Cook. He would run the ball and just carve up opposition teams up. And then the coach, I don't know, him, the coach, he just got fat and slow and he doesn't run the ball anymore and he's literally got nothing left to offer. How, how are people yeah. letting guys like that get away with that sort of thing when they're like one attribute is speed? It boggles my mind. I don't know. Yeah, when he was playing for the Broncos, he was lightning fast. And, yeah, in the, in the first year that he came across, was that their premiership year, 2015, when he first came across I the I can't Germans? remember, but I know that I had him in my side at one point and he was dynamite. He'd like score yeah, yeah. a try a game. He would just carve them up. Yeah, he was great. And now he's he has regressed to that sort of older hooker role where they pick up the ball from um, from the ruck and they like take two steps sideways for no reason at all and then look around. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. He's, he's so bad. He, he went from being so, so good to so bad so quickly. Yeah. So the Cowboys have Robson at hooker. They have Val Holmes at fullback. They have Michael Morgan, obviously, in their team, and they have Scott Drinkwater. Does, now, does Drinkwater start? Over Clifford? Uh, so... I actually, I'm a big fan of Jake Clifford. I feel like he should be starting. The question then is where to play um, Drinkwater. Right. So my plan or my suggestion is that Scott Drinkwater could play in the centres instead of Justin O'Neill and would uh, operate as a second fullback with Val Holmes when in attack. Yeah. And where like, were we that before? Like Turbo did in Origin last year. Exactly. You know, like... I don't understand understand why teams don't do that more from when they've got two of those types of players. Like, if they're good enough and smart enough and fit enough, they can just play like a second fullback, like just like yeah. up the guts, up the middle. They don't have to be standing out in the centres. Turbo redefined That's- the centre position in Origin last year and no one even noticed. Yeah, and all he has to do is move back there in the defensive line when they're defending, but in attack, just get in the middle, keep supporting up the guts. But, okay. So, yeah. Sure. Coach Polavu has him at centre, but, you know, the real coach may not may not do that. Um, okay. I agree that they've made some good additions. Um, Hooker is very important to get Granville out of that side, and I haven't seen that much from Robson, but he looks pretty good. Holmes is okay. Holmes is great. Um, yeah, so they have made some additions. I agree they should improve, but it was actually the forward pack that was like pretty shit ass last year a lot of the time. Sure, but that forward pack had a uh, aging Matt Scott and Scott Bolton who didn't really offer much in he attack was at all. An old Scott Bolton. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. I saw photos of him when he was like twenty two, <laughs> and he looked like he was fifty six. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, what does this mean for your Supercoach team? Who, you, who, which Cowboys are you getting? You got Masters, don't you? Uh, I've got an eye on Masters. I don't know if I'm going to start with him because I'm worried about which side he's going to play on. Yeah, he's got to play on the Morgan side for you to be interested. He, he's got to play on the Morgan side. So, so yeah, we'll see. Um, so. I am. I'm. I'm really looking at Frank Molo. Seriously. Uh, I. Yeah. I. You know. I, I agree with you that like third and fourth props are not great, but the guy has an incredible PPM, and I. And I feel like he's Frank earning. Molo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's. Wow. Uh, he's earning. He's earned his spot in the site. So um, who are the two starting props? So it'll be. Um, uh, Maguire, uh, yeah, Mag- uh, Maguire, and um, what's his name? The Melbourne guy. Oh yeah, yeah, McLean. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan McLean. McLean. And, then, so, and what you think? Molo is number three, not number four. No, I no, I think Asiata is number three. But yeah, Asiata feels Asiata covers so many positions that that um, I'm expecting. Um, that I'm expecting Molo just to sort of get extra minutes almost. By That's the can go on at work as well when, when Tamil and Oli comes on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I'm also interested as to what they do with Shane Wright. 
um, who played pretty well last year. I, I, thought he was, I thought he was really good last year, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so Shane Wright, interestingly, um, averaged last year 66 minutes and 48 super coach points. So if if he actually locks down an 80-minute gig on the edge, he might be very, very interesting. Yeah, 66 minutes is quite a lot. Um, yeah, okay. I yeah. I would like to talk about cap- captaincy strategy in general. Um, okay. If you're not finished your love affair with the Cowboys. I, well, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> what else is there to talk about? Ben Hampton is oh a great God. player. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ben Hampton is a fantastic player on the wing. He can do it all. Again, he can cover so many backline positions in case they have an injury, just like Asiata can cover so many forward Ben Hampton positions. is going to feature in, in later on in this discussion in my shitty centre wing mid-rangers. How dare you? <laughs> he sucks. He scored like, he went on like a four-game half-decent streak two years ago and everyone like suddenly thought he was this amazing player. He's, I'm not convinced he's first-grade material. Uh, I'm actually, I like him a lot, as you can tell. I, uh, obviously, him and Carl Felt, I think, are, Great wingers. But so where does Hampton uh, play? He plays at 14, surely. You think he plays on the wing? No. Yeah, that's that's the word. Oh, wow. Because right. he can. Because he's so flexible. <laughs> he's like, he's like whatever, Connor Watson. Whatever winger is playing against him, I want in my side. Okay. Um, Are you finished yet? Are you finished now? Uh, Sure. <laughs> Sadly, I, I'd like to keep going, but I okay, know you are. <laughs> so, what I want to—I want to talk about captaincy strategy because I touched on it with, with Turbo. Um, yeah. I am notoriously absolutely terrible at picking captains. Um, so it's got me thinking: Do I just like I? I want to have a set strategy for my captaincy before the season and stick to it. So what I'm thinking is something like Turbo at Brookvale every time they're not playing, say, Storm Roosters or the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And every other game, say, Payne Haas, assuming he's still getting like 70 minutes and just okay. sticking to that and not wavering. Because if I can average like even 75, 80 for my captain, like that will be so much better than I've done in previous years where I've gotten too cute and like had games where my captain scores 30. You know, okay. I, have, I, have, I have smashed out a few games where, you know, Turbo's gotten 150 or, or someone or Tedesco's gone well, but they've massively been offset where it hasn't come off. And I think, yeah, I think I probably, my, my captain average in the last couple of years was probably in the 60s. I see. Okay. Um, well, let me offer you a scenario. Oh, so let's take round one as an example, right? Yeah. So 
obviously Manly is playing the storm at Lotto Land. In that situation, you're probably not going to start um, Turbo. Is that correct? I'm not going to captain him, no. I wouldn't have thought so. Oh, you're not going to captain Turbo, I should say. No. So Might vice-captain him. Okay. And your plan then would be to captain Payne Haas against the Cowboys in Townsville? Probably, yeah. I don't think I'm going to start with Cook. So, yeah, Haas or maybe Tamalolo. Okay. So, okay. So that's what I want to get at. So who's your, who's your sort of third string backup captain in case either one of basically both of those two players have a tough matchup? Is it going to be Tamalolo? I think Haas is matchup proof. That's the reason why I'm picking him. Haas is the guy I go to when I don't like Turbo's matchup. But do you think Tamalolo's not matchup proof? Uh, no, no. I think he's like pretty close to matchup proof as well. I think Haas is like a tiny bit more consistent. Okay. What's What's your strategy going to be? Uh, I can't. Okay, so I think I will definitely start start um, uh, Turbo as my captain in those three Lotto Land games you mentioned earlier. That's that's yeah. a no brainer. Like straight up, straight up captain. Straight up, straight up captain. Nice. My, you know what? Hope... You know what's good as well. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to. Like the when they if they're ever I don't know which days they're playing on. I haven't gotten into that much detail. But when a back is playing early in the week, like a Friday night, a -hmm. lot of people vice-captain them. Mm -hmm. And so captaining them straight up can be an interesting advantage because they have to bugger around with the loop and they'll lose some points typically on the loop. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. And and you can't can't win Supercoach by um, playing it safe. Nope. Anyway. Okay, so so yeah, I think I will follow your example with um, Turbo. Um, then having a look at the team that I've got so far, who are my captaincy options otherwise? Um, Payne Haas, Tamalolo, Mitch Moses probably. They're, they're, they're the three that I would potentially look at captaining. Um, if I'm going to take the risk on Moses, I'm, I'd probably take the risk on Turbo first anyway. Yep. So that's sort of that's sort of not pretty big balls to Captain yeah. Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the Moses captain strategy only helps if you find yourself be- quite behind by round six or seven, and you need to you need to sort of start making up some points. Um, so I'm with you. Haas uh, um, or Taumalolo. It'll just depend on matchup between those two and who I prefer. I'm I'm not going to put one ahead of the other, I don't think, because I consider them to be pretty similar. Yep. And, of course, like I said, I, I love the Cowboys so much this year that that I feel like Tamalolo is actually going to improve on last year. But one thing that, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I can say that he only scored three tries last year. He can probably score more than that. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. one thing I do want to say is the the sort of consistent captaincy strategy, like, you know, Payne Haas is an example, right? Let's mm-hmm. say he averages 80 for the season. Yeah. In some respects, I just want to take that 80 for my captain and, and run with it the whole season, right? So the more yes. that you 
kind of go Tamalolo one week and Haas the next week, the more chance you have of picking their bad weeks, right? Like over the course of the season, Haas is almost definitely going to average 80. But if you only pick him every third week, like you might actually end up getting a couple of his down games. And it could work the other way too. You could get his up games. But what I'm saying is I've tried to pick it in, in past years and it's, it's, it's killed me. If I, if I had just taken my best player's average and just captained them every single week, I would have been mm-hmm. far better off. Yeah, but so, isn't yeah. the flip side true? Like if you're just picking the best, uh, if you're just picking who you think's the the best player out of Haas and Tamalolo, let's say, you're going to be wrong half the time, but you're going to be right half the time as well. Shouldn't it average out? Well, I seem to be wrong about 90% of the time. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd prefer, out of those two, I'd prefer to just pick who the best one, who the, who the one you think is going to average more over the course of the season and just go with them every single week. Okay, fair enough. I am going to be a little bit more flexible than that, but I do believe it is between those three players, at least until potentially we can get Cook into our teams. Yeah. Let's talk about um, some mid-range centers. How about that? Mid-range centers. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to talk about this as well because I have seen some putrid ones running around in some teams. Um, and to be fair, you it's going to be a tough position because it doesn't, as we talked about last week, it doesn't look like those sort of bottom dollar rookies are going to appear. They still might but mm-hmm. there's going to have to be a lot of injuries for that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it does seem like we're going to have to pick some mid-rangers in the center wing and possibly elsewhere. Um, so there's a few guys that are popping up a lot and a couple of them I, I quite like. So we talked about Wonga Blake last, last week. Um, yep. He's sort of in and out of my side, but I, I definitely see some upside in Wonga Blake. Um, Isaaco, you know, he averaged... So he's, he's priced at 45 and he averaged 54 the year before and he had mm-hmm. all this like issue with his dad and he last year I think he had to fly back to New Zealand to, and his dad was like terminally ill or something. Um, mm-hmm. he, he he lost a goal kicking for a while. He was just down on form. I, I can see that Isaac Ho is a pretty good pick. I, I think he'll average in, in the 50s somewhere. I'm assuming he's going to pick up the goal kicking. Um mm-hmm. He's not the kind of guy that really worries me in terms of not having him, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, but I think he's just still a pretty good option. He's sort of, again, been in and out of my side. I think at this point I'm likely to not start with him, but I, I do think he's a pretty good option. Uh, some of the bad options that I'm seeing, I mean, Ben Hampton. I've actually seen Ben Hampton in some teams. <laughs> I mean... So I think worse than Ben Hampton has got to be has got to be Kurt Mann. Oh, Kurt Mann's a horrible, a horrible, horrible. Oh choice. my god! I mean, first things first. Like they are saying that he's going to get the first the first string five uh, eighth role, and mm-hmm. if that's the case, the coach should be sacked. Like they should just don't bother waiting until mid season. Just sack him right now. Um, yeah. Because all that's going to do is call, like make instability in their hearts when they have to drop him after four rounds because he's like he's rubbish. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so if that happens, I mean, I kind of hope that he is picked so that a bunch of people pick him in the centre wing because he, he's priced at 31 and he's going to score 31, in my opinion. Even though he only yep. played like 50-odd minutes last year, I don't, don't see any upside to him whatsoever. Lomax yep. is another guy that I've seen in a lot of teams. Uh, I can see a little bit there, like, the, you know, if he gets the goal kicking, he's playing fullback. I don't mind it. I don't think he has a particularly super coach-friendly game, to be honest. We've talked about the Dragons' draw being awful. Uh, he's definitely not in my the team. The Dragons themselves are going to be awful. So, yeah, so the the scoring potential for him will be pretty limited. I think so. I think so. I don't think he's a guy that's going to take 20 runs a game and make lots of tackle breaks or even mm-hmm. set up a lot of tries. And I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to get that many goals to kick. So even though he, again, had like, maybe minutes in the 50s somewhere because he came off the bench quite a lot, right? Yep. But uh, it, uh, I think he's going to be... yeah, 55, yeah, 55, 55 minutes. Yeah. I think he'll be flat out averaging 40, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, do you agree? Let me throw some names. Uh, yes, in saying that, he's he's in my team at the moment. Is he? Um, okay. Yeah. But um, there's a few other guys I'm looking at, so I'm going to throw some names at you and mm. you tell me what you think. First of all, Bailey Simmons. <laughs> I was about to mention him. Okay. Okay. He's in my team right now. He is also in my team right now. So I am currently trying to decide between him and Kotrick. Now, okay. what I was surprised to find out was that Simonson's base was better than Kotrick's last year when he played 80. Right. Now, so that's important. And the second thing that's important is who plays on George Williams' side. Now, I don't really know how George Williams is going to play, but I don't really want a winger that's outside Whiten because Whiten doesn't pass a lot. So it's, it's weird in a way because Croker is a better is probably a better distributor than whoever they're going to have on the other side now that um, Curtis Scott got tasered. Um, <laughs> so, like, you kind of want your winger to be outside, outside Croker because he's a good uh, passing center, but I just think the ball's not going to get out there very much because of Whiten. So I'm actually more interested in who's on the other side, and it's not clear to me who that's going to be yet. But the the other the good thing about both the Canberra wingers is that the loss of both BJ and Rapana, like those two were, were dummy half run hogs, and someone's yeah. going to have to pick up that slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already talked about their draw. So I actually like both of those guys, but I'll probably pick whoever ends up on the right. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I prefer I think I prefer Bailey over Kotrick. Kotrick just seems a little bit lazy to me. Um, also, um, Simonson didn't had a few get had a few games that he sort of came on um, halfway through the game, or he went off early. Um, so his minutes are a little bit down. Yeah, not massively um, though. Yeah, not massively, but there's a little bit there. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big big fan of fan of him so he's actually on my side at the moment although already i think i said something last week about not going overboard on draw and i think i've i'm definitely in danger of going massively overboard on draw uh about half my team at the moment is eels and camera players so um oh absolutely oh just on that when we were talking fullbacks there was one guy i want to mention that i don't think anyone is going to have and you'd have to have Huge monkey balls to pick him. Who? Clint Gutherson. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I knew it. 
Have you seen that he's bleached his hair? <laughs> yeah. He looks awful. I think I think frosted tips are making a comeback. Have you seen Dominic Team in the tennis has got frosted tips? Yeah. Yeah, it's the nineties oh, all over again. Um <laughs> No, but we were talking about draw and we were talking about how if if there is one guy that's going well if, if there's one position that's going to benefit from a good draw where you're just like running straight through the middle of teams, it's often the fullback that just sort of, you know, like Gutho just loves to sniff up the middle. He doesn't create a lot himself, but he's a very good support player. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there's anyone that could av- like start the season averaging 80 based on off that Eels draw, it is actually potentially Clint Gutherson rather than, you know, a, a Wonga Blake or a Fergo. Now, in order to get him, you have to not pick either Pappenhausen or Turbo. And you know how I feel about Turbo. So that would mean that you would have to basically bet on some serious regression from Pappenhausen to do it. And as I said, I'm not sure I have the kahunas for it. But I definitely don't. <laughs> would he be in your okay, would he certainly be in your team if he was still available in the CTW? Straight away. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next player I want to mention. Moses Suli. Yeah. So what I like about him is he's massive. Uh, yeah. He's at that age where he sort of could have a breakout year. I think he's like still very young. He's like 22 or something. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I can't remember exactly how old he is, but he's, he's young. He's 21 still. Yeah, there you go. And he, But... For center, he actually has really bad base stats, and yes. centers don't tend to get the attacking stats that wingers get. So, like, it's unlikely that he's going to have that game where he scores a triple. Um, mm-hmm. That's really going to give you that sort of very quick uh, money, you know, cash generation. Yep. Um, so, if I do buy one of those speculative centers, I'm hoping that they're like it's typically a guy that's got good base it will makes a lot of offloads or something like that he doesn't have that many offloads in his game he doesn't make many tackles yeah I'm not convinced on Moses Sully having said that he's very young uh, yeah mm-hmm. what do you think of him uh, he's he's a no for me I, I just I I just don't want to wake up one morning and find that like he fell asleep in his car and he's <laughs> He didn't make it to the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I just, I just feel like there's not that much upside, and there's a fair bit of risk. Yeah, yeah. I tend to agree. Um, I tend to agree. So, um, all right. Um, Braden Burns is my next one. Love Braden Burns. Started with Braden Burns last year. Um, you remember how last week we were talking about how I had like thirteen guys that that I had for the buy rounds, and yes. Didn't play for some reason. I held Braden yeah, yeah. Burns. He got injured uh, in like round three, and they said it was like a four yeah. to six week injury, and I held him all the way. Yeah, right. And yeah, it was shattering when he didn't play. Himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, it seemed like yeah, sorry. It seemed like he had he had a he had a license to offload. Um, he was he seemed to be playing really well when he was uh, when he was on the field. Um, of the, uh, I think, nine games that he played, he only had one try. Mm. 
Um, so there might there might be some improvement there. And obviously the big X factor is Latrell and that and how that's going to affect his game. Yep. Yep. Um, I can't do it. I he's too injury prone, and that's the that's the only if for me. But he seems very injury prone, and I just can't do it at that price point. If you said to me he wasn't going to get injured, he would be in my team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right, I've got two more for you. Jesse Ramian is my next one. Tough one. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Like he he doesn't have great base. He doesn't go looking for the ball enough for me. Uh, mm-hmm. but huge tackle bus stats and if like if someone he runs great lines, if someone could put him in holes, he could score a lot of tries. Mm-hmm. Um does he play on SJ side? Uh, that's the, that's the talk. So apparently, um, Cherry prefers to play on the left. And so that's, that's why they moved him there, um, in the back end last year. And, uh, Ramian's always played on the right. So, and, and SJ seems to have mostly played on the right. Yeah, most of his he career. usually plays on the right. Yeah, so so that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting, uh, Ramian and probably Dugan on the wing, on, on the right wing. Yeah. I don't mind Ramin. He's not on my side, but I can see I can only see why you're picking. Uh, yeah, only two tries last year in about seventeen games. I think it was. really only two. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. Well, because because and we're going to talk about this again in a moment. But that that right side of the of the Knights' attack is just a wasteland. Yeah, it's true. Even though they have the New South Wales halfback there. Well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, but obviously, obviously, most of the attack follows Pong to the left. So, um, yeah. So yeah. So no, no, uh, I, 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 yeah, I can see Ramin. So Ramin for me is actually someone at what is he about four hundred and twenty grand that I kind of am having having a pretty good look at. Yeah. Um, the last player that I'll mention. Uh, as we talked about the Knights, is your old friend Tao Tao. Try, try, Mogga. Yeah. <laughs> you know that 200... he, won me, he won me a head-to-head campaign. Oh, I'm sure. Really? Yeah. When yeah. was this, like 2014? He, he had a season where, like, they, people used to call him a myth because he'd, like, never actually been seen on the field. Because he, yeah. he was one of those guys who got talked up so much as a rookie and everyone had him as a rookie and he got injured and he was just like doing nothing. But I think I ran out of trades or something and it just like had, like had him sitting in my like center wing as a non-playing rookie for the whole season and all my other guys got injured or maybe a, maybe it was like a pod play or something. But in the grand final, I played him and, uh, and he scored a double. And I just remember mm-hmm. sending a text message to the guy that I was playing. I think it was, I think it was our friend Dan. And I, it was yeah. just try, try, Mogger. <laughs> um, oh, look, he's coming off a knee reconstruction, isn't he? Like a double knee reconstruction. I, he is, I, but it's only $245,000. Yeah. Look, if he started, I think there's still massive question marks over whether he starts. Um, yeah, I think he's not for me. He's, he's so injury prone. He's very, look, if there's no other cheap options, maybe. Are you going to have him 
like would you have him and Bradman Best if Bradman Best is playing on the wing? Uh, I'm I would probably have neither of them, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not convinced of either. I'd rather have um, players like uh, Bailey Simonson, Izako, maybe Ramian, mm. and then and, and then a few um, very cheap uh, players than than have someone like that. What do you, um, What do you think of the? Um, I think there's only two like half viable center wing, second row switchers, dual position players this year. Which are Isaac right. Yo and Kurt Capewell, who are both play in the same team. Who both play in the same team. So, Any love for either of those? No. So, um, obviously, if okay, if one of them got eighty minutes, then maybe. But even even so, like Isaac Yo, what did he average? Sixty-seven minutes last year. Yeah. For 44 points like what's the upside yeah i looked at that as well i looked at that as well i, I thought oh i said yo maybe he'll play 80 minutes and you know he can be pretty good and then i saw his ppm and i was like even if he plays 80 he's not gonna be that good um yeah who does all the work at the panthers it must be fisher harris fisher Harris, who just came from nowhere last year fisher yeah. harris had a terrible ppm in the past and just yeah. last year he just went to another level um yeah, okay. And not Capewell either. Capewell was a yeah. – he was middle of the range last year. Yeah. Oh, and obviously if, if Brenko Lee gets a shot at Melbourne, Melbourne. Which, which I doubt he would, especially now with Momorowski going across. But if he does, that would be juicy. He's a great – how much is Brenko? 309,000. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's pretty juicy. Can snip out a try, Brenko. Can also let yeah. it try in. I oh, can let it try in like the best of them. But, but <laughs> doesn't matter for super coach. Doesn't matter for super coach, and he's got he's, he's got a slick offload as well. Yeah. Okay, so one more thing I want to talk about. So mm-hmm. now that we're sort of a week or so in, we can start seeing ownership. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the guys we talked about last week, for example, and some of the fullbacks, I think in particular, are very interesting to start looking at how their ownership is shaping up. So mm-hmm. we didn't talk about Tedesco that much, and I think it's because basically we we both agree that he's number one. He's more or less maxed out in, in terms of price. He's had his yeah. best season last year. Number two, they've lost Latrell, who I think mm-hmm. I think that actually hurts him a bit in terms of like Latrell making a break and then setting him up for a try on the inside or the outside. Um, mm-hmm. So I was expecting Teddy to be very to, – to not have much ownership, to be a bit of a pot. And that was the only mm-hmm. time I was going to even, you know, think about getting Teddy in is if he was a massive pod. Yep. What do you think his ownership is? Uh, 10%, 12%. Twenty-two percent. That's pretty high. That's pretty That's, high. Yeah. I mean, I get the sense sometimes when I look at these stats, I get the sense that they're sort of more casual players. Although, having said that, like if you're a casual player, would you have already made a team like in January? No, no. So twenty-two percent is twenty-two percent is a lot, and he's certainly so, not a pod. Just going through the fullbacks. Sorry, go on. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, what's Turbo? And Turbo Pong is and thirteen. Turbo is thirteen. Latrell Mitchell somehow is fifteen percent. We haven't even talked okay. about him because I think we're all in agreement that you couldn't possibly start with him at six hundred fifty k. Ponga is eighteen percent. Holmes fourteen. Yeah. My mate Clint Cutherson is two percent. Pappenhausen yeah. thirty four. So basically, okay. almost everyone's going to have Pappenhausen and one of the others. But it actually looks yeah. like a lot of them have Tedesco. Uh, Sheck is 6%. But, yeah, of those others, it, do, it doesn't look like Ponga is the next um, the next highest ownership, followed by Holmes just above Tom, Tom, Tom Turbo. So okay. I think that's interesting. Tom Turbo is a pod. I fucking love it. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. It's the best okay, player in the game. So... We just talked about it. And he's a pod somehow. Yeah. Um, halfbacks is interesting as well, right? So what do you think mm-hmm. DCE is? Pretty low, I reckon. Surely like 3 4%? He's 8%. Which is, okay. I actually think that's actually a little bit lower than I thought he would be. He's only 576K. Really? I thought he'd be sort of 10 to 12%. 8% is pretty low. I think I still consider that. My cutoff for a pod is around that 10% area. So mm-hmm. I still consider DC a bit of a pod, and he's in my side at the moment based on that ownership. I like his upside. Talked about that last week. Um, Cleary. Uh, so do you have Moses and DC in your yeah, team? Yeah, both of them. Okay. Moses, 29%. So as expected, a lot of people have him. SJ, 17%. That surprises me. He's just, I think that's high. He's, it is high. It's He's so injury prone. And I just don't know if those like those huge games back when he was playing at the Warriors and just owning that team are, are still in him. But mm-hmm. Anyway, Cleary, 13%. Um, there's not much after that. It's basically, right. basically Cleary, SJ, Moses, and, and Cherry, I guess, in the, in, in the halves. And then at 5'8". Uh, Munster is at 11%. That's actually, that's higher than I thought it would be. So mm-hmm. he's sort of just at, he's still almost a pod, but a little bit of ownership there. Luke Keery, 9%. Jack White and 10%. Um, it's actually quite spread in the, at 5'8". Cole Flanagan, 9%. There's no, the highest ownership guy, well, you can pick SJ there as well, 17%. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why you can pick him in both positions. But um, oh, there's, there's no yeah. massive kind of dominant player there at 5'8". That's quite spread out. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really, really interesting. Okay. And can you see what um, what Damien Cook's ownership is? 29%. Mm. Which is by far the highest. Um, oh, well, except for Blake Braley, who's like, yeah. you know, he's like 40% or something. 52, yeah. actually, Blake Braley. So literally everyone has Blake Blake. Bradley. What are you going to do if if Harry Grant does start? If Harry Grant does start, I will um, put him in my team instead of Blake Braley. Really? Because I, I'm not I'm not convinced that Braley um, is a high PPM hooker, and I'm worried about there being obviously another hooker on the bench. Whereas at least in at least at the Panthers, Cleary said that he wants an eighty minute hooker. So so whilst maybe 
Appy might not make as much might not make as much money. I feel like he'll be a more reliable um, playing option. I am. We talked about this already, but I'm not worried about Riley at all. Like, I think he gets sixty minutes. I think he's at two hundred k. I think he's a no brainer. Um, so, what are you going to do in the in the? Um, I don't know what I'm going to do if if um. If Harry Grant, if Harry Grant gets gets named and starts, I think that's going to be hard. Um, yeah, I might have to drop Corius out. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so Smith twelve percent, Cameron McInnes fifteen percent, Hodgson eight percent. Your mate Brandon Smith three percent. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm definitely like like the guy has so many avenues to points, I feel. Sure. Okay, well I think that, that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Um hopefully we get some more news over the next six or seven days and we'll chat again in about a week's time. See ya. Sounds good, mate. See you later. <laughs>